Welcome to the Stone Industry Podcast. Whether you're an experienced agent, new to the industry, a property manager or principal, join us in conversations with fellow industry peers. Stone Industry Conversations will bring you content to inspire and inform you on your journey in real estate. Hi, and welcome to today's business-related podcast. My name is Gary Hassett. In this podcast, we want to dig deep, unpack, and find out what it takes to supercharge any business in any given market. Today, I have with me one of the partners of Stone Real Estate, Luke Cameron. Luke himself has been in real estate for many years now with a focus on not only franchise growth, but the businesses within that franchise group's growth also. He has been an integral part of Stone's rapid expansion from just one office eight years ago to what is now one of Australia's fastest growing businesses, uh, recently recognized by the AFR Top 100 as fastest growing companies in Australia, which now has a total of 54 offices across four states and rising. Not only is Luke a highly regarded and respected individual within the real estate industry, he's an all-round top bloke too. Luke, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Gary. Thanks for having me, mate. Pleasure. Hey, I want to get straight into it. Stone has grown so quickly. Uh, as the head of franchise, you have been commissioned personally with growing the business. How have you gone about this and why do you think your business has enjoyed such rapid growth within such a short space of time? Yeah, we came from uh, very humble beginnings. So we started with half a dozen offices on the northern beaches in Sydney um, and we, we saw a gap in the industry for an alternative to the mainstream traditional brands. And also we wanted to create a network for independent businesses that were missing out on the learnings of being part of a broader group or community they weren't receiving. Um, and when we first designed our vision uh, and, and defining that niche for what the industry was looking for, we really focused in on where the needs of business owners were. So rather than rolling out a traditional business format franchise model. That's a very crowded space that is primarily focused on an amount of offices occupying territories as a measurement of success. We deliberately focused on the needs of business owners and deploying the necessary resources and support, technology, training, IP, um, to enable businesses to grow. Um, we did have a very strong emphasis on development of profit-driven businesses as opposed to revenue-driven businesses. And I think a big reason for our success is that we focused heavily on that, the application of knowledge through creating a vision at a local level for our business owners. Uh, and, and as a result, we've earned the right through uh, opening 50-odd stores in the last five years. Uh, so we've been very deliberate with the business owners as we work with. And, um, and I also think testament to the culture that we've established is not one person from our leadership team has left, which means that our franchise network feel that continuity. They experience ongoing strong relationships with our team. There's not a constant revol revolving door of talent. So our back of house is very, very strong, which is enables us to, to do our best work and enables us to focus on ultimately the growth, the profitability and the success of our, of our businesses. So with, the, with this growth that you've experienced, uh, massive growth within a short period of time there must have been some big challenges uh, along the way along the, in the journey can you share the biggest challenges that you have faced and as a business how you've overcome those challenges yeah frankly we've we've done it the hard way um 
I think for a lot of new businesses, they have a very healthy advertising budget and they deploy significant resources at, at growing brand awareness and engagement um, with their cu- potential customer or client base. For us, um, to date, we haven't spent a cent on promotion of the franchise business. Um, we've earned the right to grow through the growth and success of our network. So front and centre of that is is the attraction uh, and, and supporting high-quality business leaders at a local level. Um, and as a result, those business owners that we've, we've worked closely with, their businesses have taken off. So as a direct result, um, we've managed to continue to attract a high-caliber business owner, which has ultimately led to the growth and the promotion of the brand on the back of their results at a local level rather than spending hundreds of thousands of dollars promoting successes. Um, we've done it organically through word of mouth, through uh, nurturing our relationships with our business leaders and, and those business owners enjoying their success. So the biggest challenges we faced early on was, frankly, no one wanted to talk to us in the early days. We were, uh, we were launching a brand in a very crowded market, very competitive brands, uh, very established brands and businesses. The industry necessarily didn't need another brand entering the market. So you've already got a, an industry that has is fatigued of, um, of, of change, of franchising. Uh, but where our point of difference and where we experienced really strong cut through was through making a difference to our business owners, through the application of knowledge and systems and technology and ultimately how to attract and retain better quality people. As a result, the brand has grown. Awesome. That segues quite nicely onto to my next question. Um, high performance is a term which is banded about. I'm just curious to find out. Uh, I know Stone is, is renowned or known for its high performance culture. Talk to me about the high performance culture, what this means for you, and how have you created this within your business? Uh, I, think, I think it's a deep-seated belief in consumers deserve better. Uh, the industry deserves better. Um, but ultimately, it's, it starts with attracting business leaders who have the ability to perform at high levels, uh, who have the ability to attract better quality people to their businesses, who ultimately deliver a better quality experience to the consumer, and ultimately the brand will grow. So it starts with our business leaders at a, at a local level. Uh, and then we create a vision from the outset around how everyone can reach their goals and aspirations and as it, as it turns out, we've, we've attracted high performers to the network, um, which has dramatically compounded our rates of growth. So if we've taken the pressure off our principles to attract talent, we've solved one of the biggest challenges that business leaders face, um, which comes back to, as your question uh, stated, it's, it's around the culture of that high performance. It is that standard that we expect at a local level, that our franchisees expect at a local level, and in turn, they're attracting agents that are on board with that methodology as well. Fantastic. Your, your role itself, Luke, um, within the business is, is about growing the number of offices that Stone has nationwide. And as we mentioned earlier, up to 54, and I think it might be even a little bit higher than, than that now. I know you have a deep passion for not only this, but for, for the growth of the actual franchisees within the business itself. What, what are the biggest mistakes you see principals and business owners make when they're trying to grow 
their own business. I think we've got to look at the reasons why someone starts out in business um, and what led them to that point to start in business. So they may have been a very successful agent and have, have, have developed the courage um, and the vision to start their own business. But once they do start, at what point do they stop off that treadmill of listing and selling property and start working or defining the factors that are going to impact on the growth of their business? Yes, listing and selling and managing property are functions of the business, but what are the factors that are going to improve the value of the business? So I think that's probably the first step is defining what goes into uh, increasing the overall value of the business, which is the original reason why most people start out. They want a better slice of the action. They want to create their own uh, their own, they want to take control of their own destiny, which are compelling reasons to start out in business. But getting that right from the outset, I think, is really, really important because the routine of listing and selling, it's very easy to fall into that habit and that trap because that's what got you to the point of success where you are now. But at some point, you have to define and make that decision, when am I going to work on the factors that improve my business? Another factor, uh, I think, is, is getting bogged down in granular detail and sweating the small stuff getting bogged down in media headlines, um, the cost of a brochure, a signboard, um, you know, factors that really have zero bearing on the success of a business. Um, we've had a saying internally from when we started, we've been through banking royal commissions, we've been through COVID uh, elections, uh, never waste a good crisis. There's more millionaires and billionaires created in recessions than any other period in history. And there's a reason for that because it's easier to fall into that trap of finding reasons why you can't succeed. The, the real skill and art uh, is being able to swim against the tide uh, and achieve uh, your original outcomes, the reasons why you've started out in business. So, yeah, I think that's a big one. Not sweating the small stuff, um, uh, not getting uh, focused on the functions of the business. Yes, they're important and they need to drive revenues initially, but... What are the factors that are going to improve the overall value of the business? Another one is, is lack of clarity of what the end game looks like. What is the end goal? What is the reason why we started this business? And then how do we reverse engineer a plan to ensure we're going to hit that goal, whether it's in one year, five year, or 10 years? What does the end game look like? So I think um, pitfall people fall into is a lack of clarity of what that end prize, that end game looks like, which means, and ironically we see this, those that are clear on what that end game looks like, they're often more profitable on the way through um, and they be, they build far larger, more sustainable businesses as a result. Um, often, and this is a reality, a lot of businesses are trading within traditional franchise frameworks that, ham- uh, that, that, uh, that hurt their potential growth without treading on the toes of neighbouring franchisees. So I think being in a network that enables you to reach your fullest potential is important. Um, there's some points there, mate, I think that... Uh, well, probably another one is, is the cognitive biases that exist in the industry that just because it's been done a certain way for decades or generations doesn't necessarily mean that those same strategies or philosophies are applicable today or into the future. So I think uh, independent thinking uh, is really important as well in, in, in being proactive with our growth plans rather than reacting to what's happened previously. Love it. In your experience... Um, what do you see or what do you think is the difference between a high-performing and profitable real estate business and one that isn't doing so well? Is there a common trend? Is there a common theme? Yeah, probably the biggest one, and we touched on that with your last question, is is the profitability and success has very little, 
of the business has very little to do with the owner's ability to list and sell and manage property. It has everything to do with their ability to attract and retain the best quality people. Uh, so those businesses that are succeeding and have built that track record of high performance, they've built their business's reputation on enabling people to reach their fullest potential, not necessarily their ability to list and sell property. Um, they're also really acutely aware of what their business's reputation is, not only to consumers, and that's really important, but what is the reputation of your organisation in the eyes of other agents within your marketplace? So there's a lot of dialogue in the industry about recruitment. And my view on this is this. If you've got to headhunt other agents, if you've got to reach out to businesses to target agents, then there may be something missing. If agents aren't calling you, we need to be brutally honest with where we currently are. How is your business positioned in the eyes of other agents in your marketplace? Are agents calling so you? So you've got to look internally. For sure. You've got to look internally as a business to go, why aren't people coming into, into our business? What's the reason? 100%. And that, that's a, we have blind spots, all of us do. And, and I think part of a franchisor's role or a, or a business coach or an advisor's role is to identify where those blind spots are and then put proactive um, strategies in, in place to, to overcome them. Um, and a lot of people aren't aware of what the reputation of their business is to other agents within their marketplace, but they'll rate recruitment as the biggest need within their business. And often recruitment gets the least amount of investment and the least amount of time spent on it, yet it's the biggest need in most real estate businesses we see. Awesome. How can uh, an underperforming real estate business, so if you've got a business which is either within your network at the moment or somebody that maybe that's come from a, an independent or another franchise group, if they've come over to you and it is an underperforming real estate business, how do you, how do you, turn, how do you turn that around and what involvement do you personally have within that evolution of that business from going from not doing so well to making sure that it's, you know, a, a highly profitable and a business which is really coming. Well, I think alarm bells start ringing for us. If more than half of the revenue is coming from the owner of the business, then you've, you've got to really look at that. You've got to look at the existing sales team. You've got to look at, I mean, recruitment. If we all had more productive agents in our businesses, everyone's businesses would be a lot stronger, more profitable. We'd have stronger market share and so forth. So it comes back to talent attraction and retention, um, which comes back to the very first point is those businesses that recruitment isn't necessarily a challenge, they have defined what their value proposition looks like. And they've built their business's reputation around that, that proposition. So before a conversation has already even been taken place, agents are going to be reaching out wanting to represent that organisation. They have an idea already of what they're going to expect when they start in that business. It's going to increase their likelihood of reaching that agent's goals and aspirations. And I think you've got to be brutally honest. And we, we spoke about awareness. Uh, and we've said this tongue-in-cheek before, but if you show me your bank account and show me your diary, and I'll show you where your time's being spent and where your money's being invested or not. Yeah, and that, that really shows where... That, that'll help build that awareness. Um, and it's cause and effect. If we're putting our investment into the wrong areas or if we're putting our time into the wrong areas, we can't expect a different result. Absolutely. We're in a, we're in a shifting market at the moment, as, as we all know, well documented. What can business owners be doing now, principals? What can they be doing now to ensure that this isn't just a survival period? It's, we're 
driving. Yeah, I think you know, we, we've said internally that in the next 12, 18 months, we are in shifting conditions, um, but it's also forced. It's a forced recession. With int- It's artificial in the sense of interest rates rising. Um, it was always going to happen. So long term, we think it's a positive for the market ultimately. But yes, there is a resettling period, which I think we're, we're moving through at the moment, but there's still good results occurring out there right now. Bottom line is this, 18 months from now, two years from now, 30% of businesses are going to be better off. 70% of businesses will be in a worse position because they've used the period that we're going through as a reason why they're not going to work on the factors and improve their business. They've got a great excuse. Uh, but also we've got an aging industry. We've got businesses that don't have succession plans that aren't clear on how to maximise their asset at succession. Um, so this is, this is really, really critical. Um, we think this is a very exciting period. This is a period where businesses should be excelling. Um, and that's certainly what we're going to be focusing in on is how to navigate these uncertain times in terms of macroeconomic factors and what difference we can make at a local level to build generational wealth with our business owners and partners. So we are very excited for the period we're heading into. Um, We've got a young dynamic brand, incredible leadership, and uh, we welcome a changing market to thrive in. Love it. Final couple of questions for you, Luke. What's been the most important business lesson that you've learned? The the entire business is is built, the fabric of our industry uh, is is built on relationships, effective communication, um, be it with your stakeholders, your business partners, your your networks, your colleagues, it, the entire business is built on relationships, um, and and that's you know you can have all the technology in the world, you can if it's down to the quality of the people that are representing your brand that are your brand. So for me, that that's built on on relationships, and there is a lot of noise around technology, and it is critical. However, it, it will never supersede the strength of a relationship. Yeah, well said. Lastly, as this is a, a business-related podcast, and I know you are a, a well-read man, what three business-related books or podcasts would you recommend people to read or listen to? For your top three. Uh, one that certainly changed my trajectory. Um, I was playing cricket over in England um, back when I was 18, and my focus at that time was was very much on cricket. And a good friend of mine who was very successful – in uh, business, lent me a book called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And I read that on the train uh, across to Paris while we had a, a, some time off. And uh, that changed my whole outlook and belief around what's possible. So Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Uh, another one of recent time, J- um, James Kerr wrote the book called Legacy. I know everyone's spoken about this, but it is the best book in terms of building high-performance team cultures. James is a, is a Kiwi journalist who was invited into the inner sanctum of the All Blacks and um, has documented uh, his experience there from the inner workings of, although they got flogged by the Irish, which I have, we have to remind everyone. <laughs> uh, so that, we won't mention that. Yeah, uh, recently. But, um, yeah, that, that is an incredible book. Um, podcast, I'd, look, Diary of a CEO, uh, Stephen Bartlett, he's uh, the host, uh, and in particular his, his interview that he did with Ben Francis, the founder of, of Gymshark. Um, that is an incredible story. Um, but I'd check out Diary of a CEO, CEO um, by awesome. Stephen Bartlett. And Impact Theory with Look. Tom Bilyeu, his content's amazing. 
And we always need a bit of comic relief. Check out the Batuta Advocate podcast as well. That is very funny, just to break things up a bit. What was that one, sorry? The Batuta Advocate. It's a satirical town with a newspaper and a podcast. It's very funny. But it's a bit of a satire of what's happening in the world, and it's worth to listen to as well. Good stuff. Well, you've ended up giving us five there, mate, so that's, um, that's awesome. I'll go back and have a look at the, uh, the Ben Francis one, Diary of the CEO. I do, I do like that podcast. That's, that's brilliant. Um, Luke, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. I've, uh, I've loved our conversation. Um, I'd love to pick this up again one day and um, obviously find out where you're at within your business. But uh, thanks again, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Gary. Cheers, mate. Thank you for joining us on the Stone Real Estate Industry Podcast. To learn more about us, be sure to visit us at stonerealestate.com.au. Now, if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcast player, so you don't miss out on any future conversations with industry peers. While you're at it, if you found value in the podcast and the conversations on today's show, we'd appreciate our ratings on iTunes, or simply make sure you tell a friend about the conversation we had. Be sure to join us on our next episode with more information to inform and inspire you. Bye for now.